In partnership with New Smile, the teeth alignment and whitening experts, the Pro Sports Podcasters are giving away two New Smile teeth whitening foam solutions. All you need to do to qualify for this fantastic giveaway is go to our website, www.prosportspodcasters.com, and sign up for the free newsletter. The winners will be announced in the last newsletter of November, so sign up now. Brighten up your smile with New Smile. We are the Pro Sports Podcasters, where no sport is left behind. It's time for another episode of the Pro Sports Podcasters, with your hosts, Nee Wallace-Bruce, Corbert Durand, and Justin Williams. On this podcast, we have guests from all over the world, covering every sport from artistic gymnastics to weightlifting. We are something for every sports fan on PSP. Whether your interests are the athletes playing the game, the coaches, or the media, we've got you covered. Fun and informative, honest and engaging. You won't want to miss a single episode. So let's kick this off. Welcome to the Pro Sports Podcasters. I'm your host, Nee Wallace-Bruce, a.k.a. NWB, and I am joined by Mr. Corbett Durant, a.k.a. Kobe. How you doing, Kobe? Fantastic, buddy. I'm doing great. Excellent. And we've got some great things to share with you today. In fact, we've got a new website. So you obviously like us because you're listening to us right now, and we appreciate that. But if you love us, you need to go to prosportspodcasters.com. We got some great content dropping there. Almost every other day, there's a new article for you to read. And most importantly, we got some swag, some sponsorship deals. So if you really love us and you want to support us, take part in one of our sponsors' deals. We got stuff that'll help you to smile better. We got stuff that'll keep you fit. And we got stuff that'll let you have some fun. So make sure you get on down to the website prosportspodcasters.com and get in on the action. And we appreciate you listening as always. But without any further ado, this episode is a special episode. We have someone joining us from Phoenix, Arizona. She's just come off a fight in Bellator, the MMA competition, and she's in the car right now with her family. It's (laughs) the one and only Maria Henderson. Maria, how's it going? Hi. I'm good. How are you guys? We're good. We're good. Maria, how was... Your, your most recent fight. How was the whole experience? It was a great experience. Um, Bellator is very family friendly. And what I mean by that is like the staff is great with people. They know that the fighters are, are the talent, you know, because they are and they don't put themselves above that. And so they treat everyone like family. There's no egos involved or anything like that. And it was a great, a great experience. I know the Bellator people just from my husband's fights. And it was nice being alongside my husband and our whole team getting to be there and stuff. So it was great. I, I really enjoyed the whole experience with Bellator. I was super grateful for the opportunity from them. You mentioned your, your husband. Not only were you fighting in, I guess, at home in Phoenix, but you're also fighting on the same card as your husband, which is something we don't normally see in, in the world of MMA. What was that like in the lead up, I guess? Um, it was great. Um, we got ready together basically for our fight. Sorry, I'm not really sure what happened. Uh, <laughs> we got ready together for the fight in our gym, but we did like our strength conditioning. Some days we did it together. Some days we didn't. I hear you, sweetie. I'm sorry. Just wait. Sorry, guys. Hey, <laughs> no fighting, fighting runs in the family. <laughs> yeah. 
it, it was a good experience overall. We both have competed together at the same time for like jujitsu stuff, and it was kind of pretty similar to that. Ultimately, we trusted each other to get to get the job done or to be able to focus on ourselves when it, the time came. Nice. Now, obviously, you're both a member of the same team. You're with Lab. Do you have yep. the same coaches, or is there separate coaches for each of you? Um, no, it's basically all the same. The where it would differ uh, is because of the stand-up coaches is who you want to go with. This fight camp, we both worked with David Machad, who's a former UFC and PFL fighter. Yep. He's actually supposed to fight Rory McDonald, uh, his last fight, but he got diagnosed with a heart condition, and so the, he, he couldn't fight anymore, or else it would kill him. So um, he became a mitt coach, and we were really excited for that, and I... I, I kind of saw him this fight camp as like my head coach because he worked with me on my wrestling and my striking. So that's that's the only thing where it would change. I know sometimes Ben works with Rob Emerson or we have another guy named Randy Stanky, but I think we'll both be working with David Machad until he moves back to Sioux Falls. But the head coach is John Crouch. Uh, Jared Key is the conditioning coach, and we both work with him and John Crouch. Okay, and you're currently an amateur. I mean, you're still fighting as an amateur. You don't get to see too many amateurs fight on like a Bellator card. So yeah, you don't. I, I gotta ask you: Do you think that's an advantage or disadvantage? I think right now I'm in a really weird position, so maybe slightly a disadvantage because where do you go from here after you fought for one of the largest promotions in the world as an amateur? Like, you can't go fight for a local. Like, I mean, you can go fight for a local show. But then it, I think it kind of looks bad, right? Like if you fought for, I fought for LFA as an amateur, which is not really, they don't really do a whole lot of amateur fights. And then I fought for Bellator as an amateur, which they don't really do a whole lot of amateur fights. So I feel like if I were to go fight somewhere else, it would be kind of going backwards at this point as an amateur. So I feel like I have to go pro. It's good for me. The advantage is I get more eyes on me. And of course, as an MMA fighter, that's what you want because then bigger promotions look at you a little bit sooner. Yeah. So I think that's the advantage the disadvantage is if you make one small mistake everybody sees it i was gonna say i see it the exact same way you do i i see it as it's a bonus in that you get to fight on these high profile cards you get to kind of exhibition yourself but at the same time it can be seen as a negative because like you said you can't really fight for a smaller <laughs> promotion at this point and also it makes your amateur fights kind of more important. Yeah. Right? I mean, most fighters can have amateur fights, and whether you win or lose, it doesn't matter because there's no it's, eyes it's on it. It's not a big deal at all. That's yeah. right. But your amateur fights are to the point of where they're practically pro fights in, in their visibility. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I would 100% agree with that. So that kind of puts a little bit more pressure, you know? And then being my husband's wife, you know, that puts a lot of pressure on it too. So advantages and disadvantages there everyone's watching to see like how many fighters do you see get posted on mmajunkie.com like on their instagram i don't know if i've ever seen it before so that's right. awesome it's great for me and i'm hoping the bigger organizations are looking at that but at the same time and i'm an amateur so they're like well she's an amateur we can't really do anything till she goes pro so what does it matter you know so it's, it's it is kind of like a kind of who's like i, I don't really know i i I feel like we're at a really weird spot. I'm not really sure what to do from this spot. We've been talking about it for about a week. Yeah, it's a very unique position. And I also think, like you said, you kind of have to go pro. But, I mean, realistically, if you if you end up going pro, you're going to have a lineup of people that may want to use you as a stepping stone. 
Yeah, yeah. And I I thought maybe that would kind of, my husband was really hoping after my first fight, a lot of girls would want to do that. But it's it's actually hard to find fights being married to him because they hear his name and then they think I've been doing stand-up for as long as we've been married. But I've literally, this is the longest I've ever done stand-up. I always get pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> literally, I've, I've never worked on my stand-up any longer than three months. And so this is the most consistent I've been able to train, like, MMA in general. My last fight was the first time I did any sort of um, sparring for MMA, like, full sparring rounds. It was my first time ever doing it. So I'm still, like, really new to the sport in that aspect. So going pro is good and bad because of that. Because, like you said, someone wants me to be a, a stepping stone because bringing my husband's name and then the attention... Everyone's going to be like, yeah, I want that fight. But we're going to be like, whoa, hold on now. I don't want you. You're like 15 and 2. <laughs> exactly. And I think that's that's something you're going to have to deal with moving forward. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's – I know you said that you haven't always had the most uh, prep time. But the last fight, I saw the video and you were dominant. You you ended that in 40 seconds. <laughs> Was that was yeah. like, damn, get in and get yeah. out. R- Maria's not mucking it was around. A good night. <laughs> yeah. Right? It, it, was, it, was, it was a really good night. And like, I was a little, I was, I'm not going to lie, I was slightly nervous because she was coming down from 145 originally yeah. to fight at 115. And the whole time, my coach was like, she's not going to make weight. We know it. Like, she's not going to make weight. And then he called the commission for a long time, having them check on her. And she said she was going to make the weight, so it wasn't going to be an issue. And then um, the week of the fight, we saw her. And she actually pulled, because she's a local girl, she pulled up as soon as we pulled up. And I was like, oh, she's looking smaller than 145. (laughs) Uh, uh, So I was a little nervous about the weight discrepancy. But it ended up being even a larger weight discrepancy. That was the only thing I was nervous about. But uh, she rushed forward as exactly like we kind of thought she would. And it was to her disadvantage and my advantage. There we go. There we go. Now, you, you mentioned the weight in the lead up. And we we saw a couple of MMA fighters on the show. And everyone has different approaches. Like, I know one guy, he'd have like eight weeks where he's very strict trying to maintain his, his weight in the lead up to the fight. Where others are more like a little bit more fluid like until maybe two or three weeks out from the fight what's your i guess process in that regard well the first one was a little bit different because i was six months postpartum and uh so i had to lose my baby weight (laughs) but uh it, it was really i only had to lose like one pound the week of and then this one was the exact same thing i was literally eating the whole week i was eating two dinners every single night to make weight to try to keep weight on yeah, so I eat cleaner, but for me right now, it's actually just trying to keep weight on than than most people. So our biggest focus after this fight is gaining a lot of muscle. I'm here for that. I, I've had that <laughs> issue myself trying to keep on weight. So I'm going to ask, what's your go-to meals in that regard? Well, uh, for this last fight, we worked with like a nutritionist. I had my husband working with her too. And... Um, Mine is just lots of protein, honestly, and then carbs. I think we kind of do it a little bit different. I, I know some fighters take out their carbs altogether, but I think carbs are really important. So I try to, like, load up on all my carbs. But if it was not fighting, I really like Korean food. Yeah. We really like Korean food. <laughs> yeah, you like kimchi? I do, yeah. it's. I think it's an acquired taste a bit. Yeah, I mean, it's a little bit spicy, but I'm, I'm here for it. I mean, okay, 
when I was in university, I did I did a couple of units of Asian studies. I was I, I grew up in Asia Pacific, and one of the lecturers who happened to be Korean, he he was telling me that apparently kimchi was that was what they used to eat back in the day when the ancient armies used to go to war. <laughs> so I don't know if that's just a old wives' tale or yeah. Well, it doesn't really go bad. Like you put it in, it's it's fermented cabbage, you know, and you could basically ferment any vegetable you want and it's really good for your stomach too like if you're having stomach issues it's actually really high in like probiotics so it doesn't really go bad so that's why it's good and then when it does go bad like they say it's sour mm. that's a really acquired taste you just turn it into a soup there we go so it's pretty easy <laughs> win some battles that way yeah kimchi with some bulgogi that's the move mm-hmm yeah, I don't, I don't know if you realized or not, but I did speak to you after your fight at 268. Uh, I made the joke about it being too short. <laughs> now. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I said that. Was, you, you put on quite the clinic, but unfortunately, it was a little bit too short for my liking. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I mean, you agreed too, because you're supposed to, to learn from those fights. Yeah. Great. Like, okay, so my husband... That what he was saying, he kept telling me, is like, okay, I don't know. Well, we'll see where you are after this fight. We'll see how you look to see if you're going to go pro. And then, like, everyone's asking me, oh, are you going to go pro? Are you going to go pro? And then I was talking to my husband about it. Because my sister, who you guys spoke with, she's my manager and she's with First Round. Yeah. And First Round has, like, a lot of ideas on what we should do. And then my coach has his own ideas. Okay. Like, your manager wants bigger fights, right? But your coach doesn't want you to go too fast. And so that's kind of – my coach wants me to go – stay amateur my management team wants me to go pro ride the hype so i went home with my and my husband was telling me like we'll see what you look like after this fight i went home and he's like well how did you feel and i was like well honestly i feel like it was too short to get anything from the fight yeah uh, the biggest thing to go away was that my first initial punch my first jab or two whatever i'm throwing first needs to be better i need to like move my head more because both girls saw my first punch coming and that's where i got hit both times the first fight, the only two punches she landed that were super, super clean and, like, I felt were the first two punches. And then this one, I didn't really throw my jab uh, very well. Like, I kind of just pumped it out there and then went to the calf kick. And as I'm on my toes, leaning backwards, her jab lands, and that just helps me fall backwards. Yeah. So that's the only thing you really took away from this fight. But I don't know. But by my other mitt coach, who I said I feel like is kind of like my head coach, he doesn't feel like amateur fights should be very hard. My coach wants me to have a really hard amateur fight, but my mid coach is like, well, honestly, the more your takedowns get better with your hands, the easier your fights are going to come to you, the easier it's going to be for you. Yeah. I'm not really sure what we, what we do from here, or how, how to gauge this fight and what to do next. <laughs> my husband agrees. He's like, well, I guess it kind of depends what you want to do. And I was like, can you just tell me what to do? <laughs> <laughs> do you prefer to take it to the mat? Honestly, I don't care, really. I think uh, stand-up-wise, my first fight, the girl was really way better than we thought she was going to be. Like, significant. For her first amateur fight and my first amateur fight, we were not expecting the girl to be that technical on her feet. You know, she had to have some sort of stand-up experience going into it, but we couldn't find anything on her. But she was she was pretty technically sound, I would say. But I beat her at her game, so I feel like that made me really confident on my feet. And we have a really high-level boxer girl at our gym. Her name is uh, Leslie Hernandez, and I think she might be going pro right now, too. Uh, she's a very good boxer, 
and uh, she's a like a Taekwondo junior champion, world champion or something like that. So she has really good kicks. So I have her as a training partner and we spar together a lot. And so I think hanging out with her and sparring with her, I feel like I could go stand up wise with anybody. I just am not quite as, because I'm so new to stand up wise, I just don't know, like on a scorecard in my head, I, I'm not quite as good as keeping track. If that Does that make sense? Like a jujitsu, I understand the position so well. I know where I'm at on a scorecard wrestling same thing but stand-up wise if we're just exchanging back and forth i'm not sure how someone on the outside would would see it like i in my head i don't know how i would yeah fair fair enough something else i want to ask you when it going back to weigh-in and making weight i've noticed at least in the last since since we come back from covid that there tends to be a unwillingness for some fighters to go ahead and make weight they're Almost purposefully, I don't even know what to call it. Like it's a, a a new sort of attitude about making weight isn't really that important to a lot of fighters. Oh my gosh, people are crazy. Yeah, and so I mean, I, I'm I'm gonna just look at just one of the most recent UFCs, Vittori versus Costa. It appeared those yeah. Costa had no intention of making weight. Yeah, that's nuts. None whatsoever. But I think the problem though is because of how the your your record is more important than how you get it yeah that's true a loss is a loss no matter how you lost it's still a loss when someone looks at your record they don't look at it and go oh you know he's 12 and 1 but they don't realize that four of his wins came when he didn't make weight <laughs> you know what i mean yeah. mm-hmm. and if you lose they look at it like oh he lost but then it doesn't say he lost to a guy that happened to be 15 pounds heavier at weigh in yeah. <laughs> right? So I, I almost get this feeling now that there's this idea from some of the fighters that who cares if I make weight? As long as yeah, I keep winning, eventually my payday will come. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. Like, um, I think there was the night before our fights, there was the Dana White Contender Series. And I think a handful of people missed weight on that card as well. Yeah. And that was surprising because you're trying to impress Dana White. Why the hell would you not make sure you did not miss weight? Because a win is a win, right? I, I think I think it's something that MMA's gotta correct. Yeah, I agree. There should be a really big so typically you give the fighter ten percent of your purse if you're like over by just a pound or whatever. Yeah, but wow. Costa had to be handing out like at least forty percent of his purse, at the very least. At the least. They had to completely renegotiate. Yeah, and that's a lot of money because for me, um, thinking about like a fighter making weight, a win is a win, but at the end of the day, you still need to get paid. And when you're leaving that fight, you're paying your managers, you're paying your gym. And then let's say you have a gym, like the labs, there's not a lot of gyms out there like the lab where everything's in-house. So you just give that one percentage to the gym and then they split it between the coaches. That's right. It's not like that. So you pay like two or three gyms. And then you pay maybe a physical therapist and then you pay taxes for the state you fought in or the country you fought in. And then you have the state you're in if, if you have a, one of those states. So you're you're walking away with giving this fighter 40% and then basically giving everyone else about 40% and you're left with 10%. Now, if you take that all the way down to cost, was only getting, well, I don't know what his contract is, but I'm sure it's like a show and win. Yeah. He's basically walking around with back with nothing. So that's just nuts. Yeah, Vittori made a joke after saying he's going to buy a new watch with Costa's money, basically. <laughs> but because he can, he wasn't he wasn't expecting that much money to come in, so he probably 
he could do whatever he wants with that money. That's like that's like vacation money right there. <laughs> exactly. It's Christmas came early, right? But but at the same time, he still had to get that win under very adverse conditions. Yeah. Yeah. And it is especially when you're going with someone who's that powerful, that could be a really big mentally thing too. Correct. Well, I mean, like you said yourself, you were nervous only because you knew that Colette didn't make weight. It didn't come close to making yeah. weight. <laughs> and Yeah, not even close. Right. I, I bet on MMA and I would have bet on your fight until I saw the weigh-in. Yeah. And that's what I was, I was nervous because of that. Yeah. Like I would have bet on you to begin with, but then there was the weigh-in. I thought, oh man, I, ugh. Yeah. She's giving up a lot of weight. Now I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, we had to do a lot to make that weight, too. Like, it was not, it was where we had to have a scale in front of us, too, just to be within five pounds of her. And, like, I'm a small 115-pounder. Like, I I said, I was eating two dinners every single night to try to keep the weight on. Yeah. And so, like, her not coming in a weight, our coach wanted to make us, like, okay, she can't come in over this weight. Like, he wanted to put it in the new contract. But he was afraid that she wouldn't even make that weight, so he didn't do that. So, yeah, it, it is a little bit different. But, uh, yeah, because of the size discrepancy, I was like an underdog. And I was like, oh, my, that is just shocking to me. <laughs> I don't know why. It, was- it does. It, it really messes things up. and It really does, yeah. I think for the for the casual fan, they don't even notice. They, they don't put that much respect on weight to begin with, right? Yeah. For the casual yeah. fan, it's like, oh, whatever. But for someone yeah. like me, like Usman Nurmagomedov, he didn't make weight either, right? He missed weight. He goes on to dominate. He should have. He was going to dominate even if he had made weight. Really? Yeah, yeah. Theoretically, if you miss weight, those people normally knock their opponents out. Yeah, right. So he he dominates, and then after they're saying, you know, what do you think you deserve next? And he's like, well, look at look what I've done since I've been here, and now I deserve I deserve a top ten guy. But to me, you shouldn't be calling out anybody if you miss weight. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't add up. Yeah, no, it doesn't. Like some people, for my husband, not this last fight, but the one before that, he fought up a weight class. And people were like, oh, well, where do you see? And he's like, for the 155 division after that fight. And he's like, honestly, it doesn't matter for the 155 division. It's not 155. And like some people told him against the last Chandler fight, they wanted like um, 165. Chandler wanted 165. Yeah. And I told Ben, I was like, no, because that literally does nothing for us at 155. So I agree with you. If you're not fighting your weight class, it does nothing for you in the rankings. Correct. And not not only is it a weight disadvantage, but if you think about some of those fighters, I mean, not not me because 115 is very easy for me to make, but other fighters like uh, Costa and Vittori. It is really hard for some of those fighters to make weight. Like it is very physically and and mentally and like not not mentally. I mean, like um, it is mentally hard because cutting weight really sucks. But like uh, it's hard on their your whole body, your whole anatomy. It really affects your entire body. So people who are making weight and literally, let's be honest, they're starving to death at the time they're weighing in, and then the other opponent coming in ten twenty pounds over, they're not even close to feeling the same way. So when they rehydrate. Their brains are working better. Their their stamina is going to be better. Their body is going to be functioning better than those fighters who are literally struggling to make weight. So, of course, like Norma Golmedov would have c- competed well. And he should win because his body is in much better condition now, you know? That's right. For Martin to go in there and beat up Costa like he did, that's amazing. Such phenomenal. Those guys were huge. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's phenomenal, actually, right? Because I think you, you put a really good point on it there in that it's the last, say, five pounds to make weight for most yeah. of these fighters that it, it drains 
for every pound, you're losing like a minute of your stamina. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, and then your organs are being depleted. Ex- yeah. Exactly. Right? And then you fight against someone who said, you know what? I'm not going to bother making weight. Whatever. And they could have a whole fight and then run a marathon after because yeah. they're not burnt out at all. So and, – And you're right. The average fan doesn't really understand that. They don't. They don't get it, right? So I think right now that's one of the biggest problems in MMA is because the fighters are on a pay-per-play situation, right? Because you fight or you don't get paid. Yeah. If you show up at fight week and you've made weight and your opponent hasn't, and I mean, of course, the promotion says to you, do you still want to fight? You you don't really have a choice. Yeah, because you don't get paid. Exactly. And then maybe some some of the fighters, you know, they get win and show, but that like, so you get uh, your show money to make weight, you know, that's only half the money. Like, and if you're really banking on winning too. And you need that, like, let's say it's 10 and 10 and you only walk away with $10,000, but that extra $10,000, like you needed that, you know what I mean? So of course they need it. And now they have it like, well, fuck, I'm desperate for the money. Like, cause some fighters, you know, they really are desperate for the money because taking away the sponsorships really messed up a lot of people's home lives, you know? Big time. Specifically for the UFC, but not just the UFC, like after it pulled away from the UFC, a lot of companies didn't even want to go with the other organizations because... They're not getting seen with the UFC. So um, what's the point of them doing it? So um, anyways, so like uh, that, yeah, that's pretty big for both fighters, you know, like the other fighters really coming in with a lot more confidence being healthier, literally healthier than the other fighter. And uh, they, they're going to, of course, feel stronger, more, more ready to go than the other fighter who depleted themselves. And I was like, fuck, now I have to fight someone who is coming in overweight and then the, maybe they're thinking statistically those fighters have like a 90% chance of winning uh, on the stats, you know, cause normally they do win. So it, it kind of messes up the other fighter all, all the way around. So for someone to win like Martin did, that that's pretty amazing. Like it, it is, it's great for him. It looks great for him too. And not only that, the company uh, UFC is going to like him a lot more for sticking with the fight because if he fell through, how many people are going to watch that card stuff? <laughs> Nobody. Mm-hmm. It would have killed the card. It would have killed mm-hmm. it. Yeah, exactly. And so. pat yourself on the back too, right? Because you did the same thing. You won You won in such impressive fashion, even though. Oh, I thank you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's true. I mean, but I, I don't want to like, so this is my big thing as I know I'm an amateur and I know I have a lot more to build myself to compare myself to someone like that main event but i know it, i do know it was a, a weight discrepancy and my, my coach david machad he was like super proud he's like man i am so happy like you did everything right this camp and then you went in there and you performed like that yeah. with the weight discrepancy he was super happy so i i am proud of myself but i know i still have a lot more to go because it was only my second amateur fight so i'm not going to compare myself to those to those people just yet i would like to put more <laughs> under my belt before i do that so Fair I, enough. i'm not going to get ahead of myself <laughs> This episode is brought to you by the good folks at New Smile. Just use the code PROSPORTS to get $150 off any of their teeth aligning kits. So turn up the dial on your smile with New Smile. Now on to the show. You're listening to the ProSports Podcasters with Nee Wallace-Bruce and Kobe Durand. And we are talking to Maria Henderson. Maria, your nickname is The Mouse. What's the story behind that? It's not a very scary nickname. Well... So our coach, uh, when I started doing jujitsu, I was about 17 and I was not very much bigger than I am now. I was probably maybe leaner or just maybe 
I don't know, I was a 17 year old who didn't really do a ton of sports and I was always really small, but I had no problem with going with any of the bigger people. So think about like going into a jiu-jitsu school. No one really wants to go with a young girl. No one wants to go with the huge guy in the corner, right? So what do those two people do? They always go with each other. So I always had like the biggest people in the room. And then he would be like, man, where's Maria? At? And then all of a sudden he sees my foot like pop out from underneath somebody or something like that. Oh. So he always said it was like a little mouse popping out from a hole. So he <laughs> and like just me standing next to him because he's a big guy. My Our head coach, he always says I look like a mouse. And my husband always said it also is because I was quiet like a mouse too, like while training, not really complaining about the size differences, just keep training and moving around looking teeny tiny and quiet. So <laughs> that's kind of where it is, just being the smallest person in the room, really. Yeah, fair enough. Look, I think of Mighty Mouse. I, I think of the cartoon. I grew up with, with Mighty Mouse as a cartoon. I don't know if that was a thing in North America, but. Yeah. But there already is a Mighty Mouse, so I can't say, like, yeah, my husband's you. always like, yeah, but there's Mighty Mouse. <laughs> no, but, like, Demetri- Demetrius Johnson. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Okay, fair, fair. So so I feel like I can't take Mighty Mouse, you know? Okay. So some people will say, like, Minnie Mouse. I'm like, yeah, still, that's cute. That's nothing intimidating. <laughs> <laughs> no. What about what about Mickey yeah. Mouse? What about Mickey Mouse? I mean, he's running ESPN nowadays, so what about that? No. Well, I mean, still, he's not the greatest. Mickey Mouse, yeah. like the character? Yeah, I mean, Disney owns ESPN. <laughs> they own everything. Well, I, I guess so, I guess so. Well, then if he owns it, Minnie Mouse owns it. Yeah, right. right. Okay, there we go. There we go. Okay, so no, no, now, now, you need, now you need to workshop it with Benson. So Benson's going to be Mickey, and you're going to be Minnie, and then you're going to be running, running the house of MMA. Yeah. My sister wanted me to change my name to... Um, they were, like, talking about it at their firm, and I can't remember what she said, but it was like... What did she silk silky? So she wanted to be like silky smooth, and I was like, "That's I'm not doing that." Because <laughs> his, his nickname is smooth, right? Yeah, and yeah. Right. He, he's not changing his nickname. So she's like, "Yeah, it will be silky smooth." I was like, "Absolutely not. No, there's no way in hell I'm doing that." What about um... unless they start doing mixed doubles in MMA? It's not going to happen. Yeah, yeah, it's not going to happen. And I don't like when people change their nicknames you know like you get you don't give yourself the nickname i think that's dumb like let someone else give you the nickname and then stick with that <laughs> now coming from australia and looking at your name i think if you're in australia your nickname would be hendo mine yeah just because the last name yeah even if you want to name me that would probably be your nickname because you like to shorten everything in down under so you'd probably have something like hendo or maybe maz anyway uh moving like on <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that's damn it! Fuck. There's like a nick, there's like nickname copyright going on. Or something. Yeah, well, and Hendo is Dan Henderson. Like his nickname was Hendo. Yeah, like there's there's no way you can take Hendo. That's iconic, buddy. <laughs> yeah, you're like four right now, man. Hey, hey, hey! As long as I get the last one right, as long as I hit a home run off the last one, I'm good. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna leave that one for now. We'll come back to that <laughs> before I before Kobe cuts me off. I was going to ask you another question, though. Um, being in Arizona, I don't know if you know, but we're actually in, in Toronto. And Toronto's one of Toronto's finest in hockey is from Arizona, Austin Matthews. So i got to ask, is he a big name out there in um, Glendale and Phoenix? Uh, so basically you're saying Austin Matthews, you don't follow hockey, you don't know who he is? No, no idea. No, but there was <laughs> another guy named Sean... He was from Canada. He was on the Canadian Olympic team, I think. And he was the captain for the Coyotes for a while. Something Sean, Sean something. 
Uh, no, I'm not. I wish we had Justin. Justin. Justin on the call. He'd know. But you guys don't know hockey. Oh no, no, we we know hockey, just not like to that extent. I'm more local oh, to okay. teams here than oh, it is okay. the wide. We have another guy on our team that knows most of <laughs> what's going on with hockey. He's just we left him off of this one because we figured we wouldn't be talking hockey, but for some reason, he brought it up. <laughs> <laughs> I, I felt that. I felt that, Cole. I I did that on his behalf, by the way. Oh, okay. I, I, I'm more I'm more into football, but I thought, okay, someone from Arizona, Austin Matthews, might drop into the conversation. But we're done with nah, that. We yeah, can move I don't, on. I don't know it. <laughs> See, football, that's a real conversation in Arizona right now. Yeah, Glendale. It really is. But again, I don't really know. Fo- I don't really watch sports. I mean, we had like the season passes, but then we had kids and like we don't really get to do anything now. So. Now, uh, obviously you watched MMA. No, not really. Really? Yeah. I mean, we. So when I first started dating my husband. I remember he was in camp and I asked him, how'd training go? And he's like, God, please do not ask me that. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, I was so surprised. And he's like, babe, all day long, all everyone asks me is, how's training? I call my mom, how's training? I call my brother, how's training? The coaches, how's training? I don't want to talk about it. So it was kind of like a rule since then that we don't really talk about training too much and we don't really watch like he doesn't care about fighting really and i don't really care maybe i care a little bit more than he does like if a friend's fighting we watch if maybe a 115 the the 115 division in the ufc uh, something like that i'll watch you know but besides for that we don't really watch mma too much we we actually are a little bit more into jiu-jitsu okay because uh but we don't watch it <laughs> but we we, we like it <laughs> He'll watch wrestling. He likes football, but honestly, we don't really have time to watch a ton of sports. As athletes, it's very strange, I know. So Jared Cannonier trains at our gym, and him and his wife watch every single event every weekend. Yep. And she's wow. his wife is my best friend, and like they're godparents to our, our daughter. But we don't want, ever watch the fights with them either. <laughs> so hold on. So how did you meet Benson Henderson? training at the lab i walked in there and i started training jujitsu and we were friends for a while and basically he liked that i like to put my knee in people's faces and go for an arm bar <laughs> that's, a, that's a perfect match yeah it really was <laughs> no that's awesome yeah it's obviously you love what you do so much that you don't want to watch anything else i can i can kind of get that and there's obviously other priorities as well you're raising a family you don't really have time for for those other sports. In saying that, though, when you're not fighting, what's some of the things that you enjoy doing outside of the cage? Um, I don't really have downtime. I have four <laughs> kids. So no downtime for me. Like right now, as I was trying to figure this out, I have a one-year-old and a two-year-old sitting in my lap pressing every button in my car. Who cooks? Um, I cook the majority of the time or um, – <laughs> My husband likes to, or- he'll say he cooks, and what he means by that is he ordered food. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> or, or like, if we were, like, when while we were in camp, we have our sitter watching the kids while we're training because we're there late, and I'll normally have food ready for her to throw in the oven or cook on the stove. But me, mostly. I do, like, sometimes I'll do, like, uh, I bake cakes for my kids or... Um, or like I'll make crafts, like I made all their Game of Thrones props for our Halloween this year or something like that. All right, on. But that's nice. basically me. That's not really downtime. That's me staying up till like three in the morning doing it. So is Benson not holding up his end? Do you want us to start a social media push? <laughs> no, Ben's actually like, 
you really couldn't ask for a better husband or or a dad. You know, my husband does laundry. He does dishes. He does everything. He's a dad who genuinely likes his children and, you know, wants to spend time with them. I think that's kind of rare. He doesn't say he's babysitting his kids. He says he's watching them. Nice. Well, we appreciate your time today, Maria. Where can we find you on social media? My Instagram is Maria.HendersonMMA. My Facebook is Maria Henderson. Twitter, I think it's Maria Mouse 118 Nice. Alright, I'll follow you on all those channels. In fact, we just did. We appreciate your time tonight, Maria. Thank you for coming out. It was a blast talking to you and your kids. I hope they don't give you too much trouble going forward.